M. Rossiano. If a girl looks like me, I'll go for it. I mean, come on. You've got to respect that. <laughs> and Michael Lucas. Like, it's not socially acceptable to go out without your pants on. We've all accepted the fact that pants are necessary. This is M. Salation. It's the perfect level of it absorbs you, you can obsess over it, and then still have a wonderful night's sleep. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. You're in M. Salation. Hello, darling. How are you? Welcome to M. Salation. The podcast full of, (laughs) that could go anywhere, that sentence. Look, we talk politics, we talk pop culture, sometimes we talk princesses, and I will be your spiritual guide over the next, I don't know, just under an hour. I'm a comedy person. Wow. This is a strong start. It's just been announced by going into another week of lockdown. I'm sorry. I'm trying to focus. I'm a stand-up comedy person. That was no better, Em. I'm a stand-up, a singer, a writer, a maximalist power queen, and together with my best friend since I was 11, Michael Lucas, I just record this thing every week. And now we're a Spotify exclusive, you know. Someone's validated us. Try and shut us up. So, yeah, hi. Look, I'm not going to dwell on the fact that we've just, we're going into another week, Melbourne, because it is what it is, Right. It is what it is. Can't change it. Not going to whinge about it. Going to make the best of it. It sucks. But also I know a lot of you are listening from other states who aren't in lockdown. You don't want to hear us whinge. I mean, I could, but I'm not going to. We're going to push through. We're going to keep putting stuff out to entertain you. I'm going to keep making things and putting them out. My daughters are deep into Twilight content. If you haven't checked out our Instagram, which you should absolutely be following for so many reasons, it's the heart and soul now. It's become the heart and soul of this podcast. My daughter, Marcella, runs it. I did pop up a Twilight-themed reel they made. So, yeah, that's where you need to go to see that. How has your week been though since we last spoke? How have you been feeling? What have you been doing? I kind of had a big, a big moment, I think. I've had lots of big moments because I've been doing lots of therapy. And you know, my therapist said to me, she said that you for most of your life have psychologically hovered over the people you love and taken responsibility for their happiness. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that one hit hard. It hit hard. And she's absolutely correct. And she said, that's why I'm exhausted all the time. Mm. A lot of you listening to that, feeling that hit you hard, especially if you're in lockdown, are you psychologically hovering over all your family members to make sure they're coping? How are you coping? Which leads me to the big moment. Marcella, my daughter, a wise oracle in my life, said to me, mum, why isn't Rage and Rainbows, like, why can't people buy it or rent it? And I said, um, I don't know. Because I recently, I own it again. We we let Channel 10 have it for a year and it's just been sitting on a hard drive in my house. And she said, why don't you just like make it available for people to rent or buy? And I said, well, it's not that simple. Turns out it is that simple. So I'm, I'm really proud to tell you that the show that I put two years of my life into making, in 2019, I obviously had a baby. I went on tour and then I wrote this stand-up special for Channel 10 with original songs that I wrote with Kate Miller-Heike about female rage, about geriatric pregnancies, about being sick and tired of women mostly carrying the mental and emotional load in their households. And I had 12 dancing vaginas. (laughs) 
and an amazing costume and an incredible set and a kick-ass band. And we filmed it to a sold-out heaving show at the Melbourne Palais Theatre and it was the last show that I performed before the coronavirus hit. So (laughs) it's a big thing. I paid for it all to be made. I sunk $50,000 of, you know, money that I had saved and took out a loan against the house and everything. I really backed myself. And now it was just sitting. It was just sitting gathering dust on my computer. And so I looked it up and we found that you can do Vimeo on demand. You can rent it or you can own it forever. The link is on our Instagram page and it's on my Instagram page in the highlights. And it's $9.95 if you want to rent it for 48 hours or $24.95 if you want to own it forever and go back and watch it over and over again. And I'm really proud that it's there forever and all time. And it'll be nice to make some money off of it because it nearly broke us financially. (laughs) It did a lot for my career, but we kind of invested in it thinking 2020 is going to be huge after this. And then it, yeah, it wasn't. That's okay. We always pivot. We always pivot. You guys know that. So um, please, this weekend maybe, look, we've got another seven days, especially if you're in Melbourne, if you want to rent it and maybe like do a group watch with your friends. I'd really love you to see it. It's probably the greatest thing beside this podcast that I've ever made. I'm super proud of it. It was a big undertaking. You'll watch it and you'll see. And I don't know why it's taking me this long. My daughter's a genius is basically what I'm saying. So, yeah, rent it this weekend or buy it and watch it, especially if you were due to see me in Adelaide on Friday night. Look, you've already seen it. And, look, I know thousands and thousands and thousands of you have already seen it. But what I do recommend is watching it with your partner. If you feel like your partner doesn't quite get the amount that you do to keep the family ticking over, and I'm just speaking to people probably, look, if I'm going to single them out and be general brushstrokes, if you're married to a heterosexual man, if you're in that kind of situation, I have had almost a 100% strike rate. I was overwhelmed with emails from women saying, my husband watched your special and he has changed the way he approaches things. He doesn't say that he's babysitting his kids. He doesn't want to meddle when he unstacks the dishwasher. So I'm out here saving marriages, guys. To everyone else, my beautiful, the gays who follow me, lesbians, I love you. Just enjoy the campery. You know, there's something in it for everyone. What else did I have to tell you? That's about it. I've been doing therapy in lockdown. So like I feel, my, I talk about my family while they're in the other room. It feels like the ultimate bitch session with a professional. I'm okay. A lot of you ask me like, how are you, Em? How are you really? I'm fine. No, I'm really fine. I'm busying myself with cleaning the house. I'm busying myself with insulation. You know, it's just, it is what it is, isn't it? My darlings, my loves. All right, that's enough from me. We're going to bring in Michael Lucas. There was, it took us an hour and a half to get this podcast up today because the internet is melting because everyone's at home. And I live out in the bush. So that was a lot of obstacles, but we did it. We got there. Every week, something happens. One week. I'm telling you, it's, we're building up to it. We'll just sit down and record it. This week wasn't that week. All right, gang, lovely to speak to you and I hope you enjoy what's coming your way. There's some Brett Sutton, there's some hot Auslan guy, there's Naomi Osaka, the brilliant tennis player, and our review of Cruella, the new Disney spectacular. All right, play the music. M. Luciano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. Welcome live from lockdown at his house, Michael Lucas. Hello. <laughs> I love it how you made that sound like an exciting destination, live from lockdown at his house. 
It is. Well, it's not, but that's where you are and that's how this podcast was born. So it's the circle of life. Yes. I think I sing that song like three times a week for different reasons. It's really a touchstone for me, which is ridiculous. I saw the greatest thing too. I saw this this three-year-old ask for a Lion King birthday cake and she oh. asked her uncle to make it and she said, but can you make it the moment where Simba's looking over the cliff at Mufasa dying, then no one will want to eat the cake and I'll get it all to myself. Genius. I'll make sure my child puts pictures up of the cake, but it's lit. have you seen it, Michael? Oh, I have. It's also <laughs> superb cake. Kudos to that uncle <laughs> for completely delivering. And there's real emotion in the way that Mufasa is slumped and little winsome little Simba looking down. And also that kid's yeah. a genius. <laughs> Everything about it is amazing. And the effort into sprawling Mufasa's carcass out with the moulding chocolate, like... Chef's kiss. Parents these days. Uh, my mum did do occasionally the Woman's Weekly. Oh, the cake. Woman's Weekly. Hello. Yeah, but she <laughs> never went to. I mean, the kind of situations that are happening now. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. I just like, I hire them in. I mean, I'm sure I could make a cake if I set my mind to it, but I don't want to. No, it's a time commitment. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not a skill that really translates to many other areas of life. Nah, nah. I mean, one day I'll, maybe I'll take up cake making. ADHD people like to really run through hobbies and I haven't done that yet, so it could be on the list. Oh, man, I'm almost terrified to think of when that phase might hit. <laughs> Although I think we'd probably all be beneficiaries. Emma's <laughs> <laughs> decided to do, she's really into cross-stitch at the moment. Why? Who knows? Oh, <laughs> amazing. Look, obviously you and I are in Melbourne and lockdown is going to be extended and... The only real positive to come out of that, uh, besides the fact my house is getting a top-to-toe cleaning, like it is looking stunning, guys, Mm. is the fact that we have seen the band get back together. I mean, obviously Dan is at home convalescing, but we have seen a return of Brett Sutton and Hot Oslan Guy together. Hi, I'm Victoria's Chief Health Officer, Brett Sutton. Hot Oslan Guy, a couple of days, not long before he made his reappearance, and we all panicked a little bit, thinking, what if he's been rotated? What if he's moved? What if anything could have happened? But now he's back. I did notice, and I wondered if this was deliberate. So on the first kind of one of the first press conferences where Brett, he didn't speak first, the acting premier spoke first. I like the cut of the acting premier's jib. I have to say... Oh, me too. Me too. Mm. And I think Mm. this is actually, Dan's injury, I think, has really played in an unfortunate way for the opposition because now it's given us a look at the acting premier and I think most Victorians are going, yeah, he'd do. He'd be like, you know, when the time comes, he's, yeah, he's fine. (laughs) I like him. He's like a butcher, thicker Stanley Tucci. You know what I mean? I really, yeah, totally. And also, I really can, like, his absolute instinct to always pour the shit on the federal government is just unstoppable. There's no question that he can't somehow link back to it's the federal government's fault. So, yeah, I noticed Hot Oslan Guy was signing when the acting premier was speaking. And then when Brett subbed in, Hot Oslan Guy subbed out. And I was like, Wait, have they worked out that the absolute potency of these two together is too much for the people at home? We're already on overload as it is and they go, we can't send out this kind of sexual energy into Melbourne. That would be its own public health risk. (laughs) We need people to focus on the details. 
You can't vaccinate against sexy thirst, can you? <laughs> Actually, it's funny because obviously the thirst for Hot Rossland guy is back with a vengeance. There's been articles written about him. I obviously did a 10-minute stand-up set about him, which I'm starting to feel a little bit weird about because one of his friends sent me a DM. <laughs> oh. Yeah. No, she was great. She's like, he's the loveliest human. So you can tell. You can tell. Yeah. And he was raised by deaf parents, which is why. Oh, man. He's an Auslan interpreter. I know. I just can't believe how quickly I have sunk back in to my obsession with both Sutton and Hot Auslan guy. <laughs> and I do, my like all throughout my 20s, I feel like I always sort of like these people who would be into me if the time was right and could forget about me really easily. And now I realise my relationship with Brett Sutton and Hot Auslan guy is a bit <laughs> like that. Haven't thought about them at all for months mm. and months and months. And now two days into the pandemic, it's just all of a sudden I'm turning on the press conference going, <laughs> Hello. Like the equivalent of just sending a text going, doing anything tonight? Like that. Oh, no. It's you up. Yeah. We're effectively sending hot Auslan guy and Brett Sutton a text from all of Melbourne go at 3am, you up. <laughs> but look, obviously... There has been a sudden rush to vaccination. So I did the drum, the ABC show, the drum a couple of weeks ago, and the, there was a whole segment about how there's just been this zero interest of uptake on the vaccination, coupled with the bungled rollout by the Morrison government. Also, because we're in this gilded cage on an island in the middle of nowhere with no coronavirus, what's the incentive for people to get the vaccination? Totally. And now... Well, now there has been a run to vaccination centres all through Melbourne because people are realising this is the roadmap to freedom. But vaccination, along with breastfeeding, religion and politics, is one of those topics that myself, as a public figure, as an entertainer, as a comedian, I'm like, no, please, I don't. Can we not <laughs> talk about it? I don't want to talk about it. I don't want any vaxxers sliding into my DMs, telling me the government are collecting my information to store for a later date so aliens can impregnate my future grandchildren. I don't want that. <laughs> I have tweeted about vaccination because I, like so many Victorians, jumped on the hotline and just could not get through. Mm. I tried about seven times, just didn't happen. And then I found out if you go to the hospital's websites, you could book yourself in. And so I tweeted mm. about that. And I was a bit shocked at how many responses... I got a lot of responses that said, my body, my choice. And I feel like I always felt going back going, I'm not holding a gun to your head, insisting that you go. Obviously, it's your body, your choice. But Mm. the other ones that I got were things like, it's not a vaccination. It's actually, it's a genetic experiment run by Bill Gates. I got things like that. And it was really, it really, it freaked me out. And it's and it's hard to separate the sort of understandable anxiety mm. that you might have mm. about any kind mm. of injection of anything with mm. with people telling you that, yeah, it's part of a, an enormous conspiracy. That it's involves. part of the Bill Gates divorce settlement, like somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Melinda's benefiting off us getting the jab. Look, I and pro-vaccination because I am pro-medicine and pro-science. I think, you know what, those guys have proved themselves to us 
time and time again. So I'm going to take their word for it. I don't believe every scientist and every medical professional in the world got together in a secret underground lair and said, right, we're going to fuck everyone over with a vaccine. And I am the conspiracy theorist queen. If it's about something inane and harmless, let's do it. The moon landing, did it happen? I don't know. But Oh, God. Okay, let's re- just bring that up. No, that's a joke. Did it's Beyonce joke, joke, have her baby? Did she carry it? Of course it? she did. Of course she did. Of course she did. It's a joke. That's not what she joke. thinks. That's not what she thinks. It is what I think. Now she's, she's only saying that because she's scared about the beehive. Can you shut up? <laughs> Our private conversations are for private. <laughs> Mum, we'll be discussing this with Dad later, guys. I've just put my hand on Michael's knee and said, we'll talk about this later. (laughs) So what I want to talk to you about is the idea of vaccination. I am pro-vaccination. I will be getting vaccinated. My family will be getting vaccinated. Everyone that I care about and love will be encouraged to get vaccinated. But I stop short at forcing people to put things into their body that they don't want. I agree. But no, everyone, the whole, like, the country has stopped. That's not what's happening. No one is being forced. It's not at all. But I just think that we need to do a better job, when I say we, the government, at selling the vaccine to Australians because Elton John made a commercial in the UK that was hilarious. Oh, brilliant. My name is Elton John. It's really important to know that the vaccines have all been through and met the necessary safety and quality standards. And as you can see... I'm still standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New Zealand did this amazing, like, it's the roadmap to freedom and here are all the things you'll be able to do once we all are vaccinated and the country's ticking over again. We're ready to win. (laughs) Watch out. Because you know what this is? It's the metaphorical door to freedom. It's finding a way to explain why this is so important. And also the media has played a real part in this, reporting the very rare cases of blood clot with the AstraZeneca. I know. And often, you know, times where it is just like not even confirmed that the, the, the vaccine played a role in it. And often, like obviously as well, apart from the fact that it's so rare, it feels like there's no proportion. Like if you get COVID, you've unfortunately got a scarily high. I mean, it's it's still only like one in 20, but still what kind of odds are you going to take? Like that's a terrible odd. No one to take that. Whereas mm. with the vaccines, we're talking about one in hundreds of thousands. And, yeah. and often it's not fully proven that it caused the cause. And then in addition to that, like now they know exactly what to anticipate. So even if the worst, worst thing happened, then then mm. medical procedures would be in place to, to see you through it. Yeah. So, I mean, and also the amount of things I do where I just place my faith in science. I mean, the amount of things I do where I don't even place my faith in any kind of science, the amount of dangerous things that I do. I feel like it'd be really good to express the statistics of what we're really looking at here, what what your chances are, because eventually the country will open and the virus will start circulating and you might think to yourself, well, I I can defy that virus and, Mm. you know, I can fend it off. I've got a good immune system, you Mm. know, but Mm. you don't know. You really don't know. Well, also, I read you've got more chance of developing a blood clot from your pill, Medica, from taking the pill. Oh, there's so many things. I know it's yeah. really been highlighted, the, the minuscule risk of this vaccine, yeah. as opposed to all the things we shove in our body all the time. So I was going to say, if you went to a nightclub in the late 90s at any point in time, what were you putting in your body? Was it tested? <laughs> was it tested? Were those green Mitsubishis, did you take them home and did you pop them under a little microscope and check they hadn't been cut with, I don't know, dishwashing powder? Like, it's interesting. But, again, I want to say you won't see me in any ads for vaccinations because I respect your right to do what you want 
I encourage you to get vaccinated because as a country, we want to open up. We want small businesses to survive. We want to move through this. We want to go beyond COVID. M has a holiday she really wants to take in Palm Springs. No, so, I have a tour I really want to put oh, on. too, yeah, that will fund the holiday. <laughs> <laughs> like cancelling the tour has been, had a really devastating ripple effect on my crew, my band, the venues, the venue staff. This has affected everyone. So I am especially keen for everyone to get vaccinated, but I do understand people's concerns and I am Please don't bother ringing me or you, no, don't ring me because I never answer my phone. Who answers their phone in 2021? I can confirm. Yeah. Don't tweet me. Don't slide into my DMs with your theories. Keep them to yourself. I don't care for them. I believe in science and medicine. Okay? And also we are the children of people that worked in infectious diseases hospital. And Correct. I grew up hearing about the polio epidemic mm. and the vaccine. And like, thank God that we would never had to face polio when we were kids. <laughs> thank God. Oh, exactly. All right. So look, I did put it out to the Emsolation audience this morning. What do they want us to talk about this week? And the number one topic that came up was the Naomi Osaka situation. Now, for those of you who aren't aware, she's a four-time Grand Slam winner and she has just withdrawn from the French Open. Mm. Now, she said she had experienced serious bouts of depression on and off since 2018, and initially she said she would not be taking part in the post-match media conferences. She tweeted, I believe the whole situation is kicking a person while they're down and I don't understand the reasoning behind it. And she said she narrowed down her immense anxiety before tennis tournaments. A lot of that was attributed to the post-match media conferences. So... To me, that makes total sense. And and specifically as well, wasn't it also tied in with it infamously that match with Serena Williams where there were some dubious line calls and the crowd booed, yes. essentially. The crowd really yeah. started booing, which, I mean, I can't imagine how confronting that would be. Look, I believe, and my tennis knowledge isn't amazing, I believe that was the 2018 US Open final. <laughs> <laughs> Don't quote me though, because I don't know much about sports, 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 sports. But after she kind of said, guys, I'm not going to do the presses, but I will play the games, the French directors came out and said, well, we're fining you $20,000. And if you don't do any more of the press conferences, you will face further code of conduct infringement consequences. So she didn't rock up to the press conference as she said she wouldn't after her round one win. They came back out hard at her. And so she said, no, guys, I'm not doing it. They came back out hard at her again. And she said, all right, well, I'm withdrawing from the tournament. And the internet lost its fucking mind. (laughs) Well, she didn't. The mental health concerns and everything like that she expressed after, at the point of withdrawal, I think. No, and and before. Oh, did she? Oh, I didn't realise that she had said it beforehand and they were like, well, you've still got to do your press conferences. No, uh, she expressed to them Uh, privately why she wouldn't be doing the press conference. mm. And then, yeah, they still kind of punished her for that. But I just think the online reaction has been so hectic and it kind of shows society's lack of tolerance towards women, especially women of colour, having a voice and really putting in boundaries Mm. a la Meghan Markle, a la Serena Williams, and now we have Naomi Osaka and I'm sure there are many other examples. And I think 
Naomi knew a lot of her anxiety came from the press conferences. She spoke about it. She removed herself from it so she could actually focus on her job, which is, you know, tennis, (laughs) and was punished for it. And I just think anyone writing comments like, oh, you're a professional tennis player, it's part of your job, you're bringing shame to tennis, and someone even wrote, think of the journalists. It's like they're really missing the point. Oh, totally. God, think of the journalists. Think of the journalists. But I just think I, I, I feel very passionately about this because we as a society minimise and downplay when our mental health is in crisis because everyone's very uncomfortable with anyone being in a crisis with their mental health. And so for a top sportswoman to come forward and say, I can't do an aspect of my job because it really affects my mental health, puts in this big fucking boundary, is so important and so powerful and so brave. I'm yeah, just... Yeah, and one would uh, say not even, like, the key aspect of the job at all, like like a, a side no. part of the job. You would have to concede. Anyone would have to concede. Yeah, and basically the Lords of Tennis said that the media song and dance after the tennis is more important than the world number two actually playing tennis. And when I used to watch tennis, like back in the heyday of Richard Krychek and Pat Rafter and um, that's about all I can remember. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> yeah. Bruce McAvaney here, yeah. Bo- um, Bo- Boris. Becker. Becker. Yeah, Bruce McAvaney. Mm. But no. <laughs> <laughs> What's the guy that yells at everyone? You cannot be serious. Uh, John McEnroe. John, John McEnroe, McEnroe, yeah. Yeah. Andre Agassi. Oh, well Bible. done. Pete Sampras. Yes. You haven't even got onto the women. What about Monica Sellis? <laughs> oh, the grunter. That's yes. right. Yeah, you know what you're doing. Steffi yeah, Graf. Who did she Martina marry? Martina Andre Agassi. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I am tennis, guys. I am tennis. Now, what was my point? Oh, yeah. I didn't care about the post-conference. I turned it off. No one tunes into tennis to watch these stupid press conferences. We want to watch the prowess of Serena Williams, that powerful buttocks bouncing in the Puma Lycra skirt. The, the absolute display of strength. Oh, you want the close-up. As I love the close-up when they're just about to serve. Oh. That moment of pause and it, they get, they've trained the cameras right in and you get to look in their eye. That's, I mean, that's part of the reason why I enjoy watching tennis on TV as yes. opposed to team sports is it feels like you're really close up to them and it's psychological. Oh. It's majestic. And the press conferences are always weird and they attack the person who lost and you can see the player doesn't want to be there. And I'll let everyone in on a secret. I hate doing media before tours. I hate <laughs> it. So, so much. I get super anxious. I get, like, diarrhoea. I avoid doing anything around breakfast radio. Yeah. I, I, I feel the same way. I hate that part of my job, the having to go out and, like, explain yourself or <laughs> kind of entice people to come and see you. It's like, the, oh. the weird thing is, and it surprises me that tennis isn't the same, with actors in TV shows, that's like a contract negotiation at the start and they can mm. kind of set. Well, and you sometimes get actors that say, I want to do this role, but I won't do any press. And so you have to accept that. And other times you get things like, I'll do the role, but I want to approve what press I do. And also I'll do the role and I only want to talk about, you know, the topics that I'm comfortable with. Like you get all of these different things are negotiated in advance. It really surprises me that tennis is just like, well, too bad. You go yeah. in front of all the press gallery. They can ask what they want. They're all going to try and make you cry. That's yeah. what they all want. Like, it feels really old-fashioned. Well, it is, and that's because it's run by old white guys. The four lords of the big opens, the the Australian, the US, Wimbledon and French, 
They're all old, straight, white guys who aren't used to women, especially women of colour, standing up for themselves. And this is a precedent. No one, no player has ever done this before, but I'm sure many players would want to. And obviously, yes, they make millions. These players make so much money and partly that's due to the intense media coverage which lifts their profile, right? But their actual job is tennis, not putting on press conferences. And I just love her, uh, this move as well, there's lots of aspects that I really like about it, like the fact Mm. that she's prioritising her own mental health and all that sort of stuff. But also I think it's also one of those really good moves as someone who, like she knows her value and empirically it's much more valuable to have the number two player in the entire world as part of your tournament than it is for them to do those press conferences at the end. And I don't know, that's part of why I find it so admirable is and Serena is really good at this as well, is that that sense of knowing your value and being prepared to back your value as well. Mate, that's, that is my ethos in life. I give a whole keynote address to corporate events, to female corporate events entitled why you should always back yourself. And she is just giving permission to so many women and women of colour that it's okay to put in a boundary at work that it's okay to stick to it, that it's okay to prioritise your mental health. And it's a huge moment of change in pro sport because this is the ripple effect of this enormous athlete with huge profile prioritising her mental health is going to go all out through society and hopefully throughout sport because my husband worked in AFL for a long time and when players leave the protective nest of AFL, a very high percentage of them experience mental health issues afterwards and that never gets spoken about. So I think this is ace. And what did amuse me, though, was the French tennis boss uh, Giles Moretton. He initially labelled Naomi's boycott of the media conferences as a phenomenal error, right? And then he's addressed the media again a couple of days ago and said, it's unfortunate. We wish her a speedy recovery. We, We hope you feel better. We'll see you next year. And then refused to take questions from the media gallery. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's breathtaking, isn't it? <laughs> the irony. Oh, my God. Also, how old is she as well? Naomi? 23. That is crazy. Right? right? I could barely handle. I mean, there were so many aspects of life that I was not equipped to to handle at that particular Age, mm. To think that that after your worst, most difficult losses, you'd have to go out in front of like a oh professionally trained press scrum to, I mean, the times when I failed in my 20s, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just crawled, I literally went to my mother. I mean, that's where I was at at that time. Yeah. I mean, I, the only thing I can kind of relate it to, oh, and I've idle. since learned, well, yeah, I've since learned that ADHD people need to put themselves in the spot of other people they're talking about. So it's not, I always thought it was a bit of a narcissist thing about myself, but speaking to other ADHD people, it's our way of communicating the moment. So that's what I'm doing now. When I left Idol, obviously it was around Dicko calling me Pauline Hanson. He said that I look like Pauline Hanson on a night out at the bingo. Yes. And to which you replied, please explain. And it was yeah. a great comeback. Well done. And Paulini feels the same way about the gold dress. Mm. That moment has haunted me and then 
The next morning, when you get rejected by the nation on Idol, you then the next morning have to do 25 million press interviews. Mm. And I was obviously very tired. I hadn't seen my kids. That weekend, Port Adelaide had won the grand final and my husband was working for Port Adelaide at that time. Scott had been missing for a few hours because he was out partying with the players. I'd been voted off the show. He didn't even know. (laughs) So... I was in a very vulnerable state. I was 25 and I was just blasted by everyone (laughs) about the Pauline Hanson thing, about the crying, about the one earring, about the trouble behind the scenes. And I remember that day was so traumatic. Oh, God, yeah. And so imagine having to do that after every game. I mean, luckily Naomi wins most of them, but not always. Like it. To have to go and explain your worst moment in a bite-sized, sellable package in front of the world's cameras, oh, fuck it's me. It's a massive ass. I mean, uh, my only time was I was 30 friggin' four when we killed Dr. Patrick on Offspring, which wasn't even a failure, but it was just I was getting a lot of, it was a huge reaction. I was getting a lot of hate. I remember all of the radio stations were calling and they even started calling you, like they were constantly yeah, they calling. And I said, <laughs> no, basically I just let you answer it and you just went, no, he's not, no, 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 no. As I went, I hadn't I slept because I was a bit freaked out by it all. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I basically went and drowned myself in, in confectionery and let you say no to them. Yeah. And that was my response. And I was 34 years old and consider myself to be to be really lucky and have good mental health so well you are but also I mean people often wonder what you get out of this friendship I am the gatekeeper of your mental health (laughs) totally she's like the door bitch of my mental health I am I have stepped in on numerous occasions some we could never talk about and just put my hand up in someone's face and said no you don't have access to him anymore (laughs) like it's just and that is one of my roles in this friendship if anyone's wondering (laughs) But, um, it's true. I just, yeah, I think if if this, if Naomi putting in the boundary about her anxiety and her depression in her workplace has triggered you and you felt a need to attack her or you felt disappointed in her, I think that says a lot about you and not her. And I think maybe perhaps you're projecting, I don't know, maybe there's something in your life you feel you need to put a boundary on. But for me, this is a phenomenal act by a courageous, brave woman of colour which adds a whole other layer to it, and I applaud it, and fucking full stop. <laughs> <laughs> no more questions at this time. <laughs> I will not be taking any more questions. Okay, we're going to have a little rest, a little reset. We're going to come back with something camp. We've both seen Cruella. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is Emsolation. All right, we're back with something fun. So last Wednesday, you bought you and I tickets to go and see Cruella, the advanced screening. From the very beginning, I realised I saw the world differently than everyone else. That didn't sit well with some people. But I wasn't for everyone. I guess they were always scared that I'd be a psycho. (laughs) I had to withdraw because I had podcast post-production. And also we just found out we were going into lockdown the next day. Yeah. And you had a couple of tour considerations. There was a lot going on. 
There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. And again, for those of you who are worried about Michael's name not being on the podcast, oh, yeah. there's a couple things there. I mean, you can explain why it's not there. Better if you do it. <laughs> My role on this, just, I mean, the phrase all care, no responsibility doesn't go far enough. I cannot even emphasise how little preparation. I just rock up, respond to M, go away. And then, and then subsequent to that, the entire episode has to be completely edited, has to be put together, all, all of the ensuing marketing and all the little online things. It's hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of work that I just skip on by. I mean, it'd be absolutely obscene, except for the fact that this is the acknowledged, you know, situation and 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 we've structured it all so it, it works that way. But if, exactly. if, if, if anyone is under the delusion that uh, this is in any way some sort of 50-50 situation, <laughs> it's, it's re- I would go so far as to say it's 94% M, 6% me. In terms of the energy it takes. I've had co-hosts in the past who could claim the same thing. (laughs) But he's in the picture and honestly, to sell the podcast, they wanted my name on it. Like there's a whole bunch of reasons. No, Spotify, to put it mildly, was not knocking at my door saying, (laughs) you want to hear your thoughts on Brett Sutton. (laughs) So that's, Michael's cool. If he ever wants his name on it, I'll put it there. But for the moment, he doesn't care. So we left it. I did rub salt in the wound on this day, though, because I had these tickets and Em said can't make it. And so instead I took her daughter. And this is so yeah. I haven't even told you this level of betrayal. Firstly, I knew it was the most M movie in the whole wide world. But then secondly, as part of the tickets, you got given like choc tops and red wine. And we still claimed all of your wine and choc tops and consumed them ourselves. Oh, I could have, like is- a nice person would have found a way to like package them up and send them to you. No, no, Didn't. it's fine. I'm, I'm not drinking and I'm, I can't have anything with numbers in it anymore. So it's fine. That's right. But yes, Cruella. So I watched it with the Disney on demand on Saturday night. Cella watched it again as well. Mm. So I just want to start off by saying... I fucking loved it. It has been torn to shreds. In, if, like if I had have read any reviews, I probably would never have watched it. Mm. But my review is just suspend your brain at the door and just sit down to enjoy Emma Thompson oh, as the Baroness. I know. Master of understatement. Usual. It's for me, it's just <laughs> Emma Thompson is absolutely worth the price of admission just by herself. Oh my god. She just even just some of the facial expressions, one some of the eyebrow raises. You're like, oh, oh take my money. I love you. I feel like all gay people and gay adjacent people, such as yourself, have always loved Emma, but we've never had quite the camp vehicle that's going to really let her become a gay icon. Like, I mean, I know she's always beloved, but, oh, but yeah. this yeah. was really like her stepping into that space. Like, she, it was it was Meryl and Devil Wears Prada level. Ah, oh, it was but with even, even more harsher. extreme. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely bigger. It was amazing. So it's the kind of origin story of Cruella. Emma Stone stars as Cruella and um, we kind of start with her. She was born Estella with the black and white hair and we see her first at school as a bit of a troublemaker, as a fashion-forward, badge-wearing, system-shaking tween. And then I don't want to give it away, but there's a moment that kind of explains why Cruella hates Dalmatians so much and I'm going to say I wasn't sold on that moment, but I was prepared to overlook <laughs> no, it. No, I was not sold on that moment either. The CGI Dalmatians, I just feel like Dalmatians aren't known as vicious dogs. It was kind of like making a Labrador vicious. I found it hard. Also, to be honest, I'll just be honest, I, like, I love Cruella as she's always been. 
I loved that she wanted that Dalmatian coat because <laughs> it looked good. Yeah. And yeah. she didn't care if some puppies had to die. That is who she is. She's a villain. I don't feel like I needed to know that there was a childhood trauma that motivated well, her desire is. to skin yes. Dalmatians. Just let her be an mm. asshole. Mm, no, she's not. They've softened her. She's got a dog sidekick just to remind us all she's not wearing puppies. She's got a cute little dog sidekick. Doesn't matter. So we we watch her kind of rise up as this incredible fashion designer and then she becomes like, it's kind of very Vivian Westwood vibes if I had to kind of pin a point in fashion. But for me, the fashion, the camp, the CGI dogs, the sidekicks, like the two Emmas together on screen, oh, oh I just, yeah. I just, I can't fight it. Like, what did you say? Your genes are a certain way and that's just. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the day, we are genetically who we are. And when I was watching it, there was one particular time. Oh, it goes into this section where the Baroness is hosting all these big events and Emma Stone keeps showing up in increasingly insane outfits. And there was one time when she shows up and she's wearing some sort of cape and it turns out it's oh. it, it, flammable. And so she drops a match and her cape like burns off. And I remember actually, I actually felt a slight physical pain that you went there watching it just because I honestly thought it's close as a Disney fantasy would bring you to orgasm. That moment would do it. Like it was just so geared to you. I was on the couch (laughs) and it happened and Chella was like watching me. She was watching me. I'm like, why are you watching me? She goes, just wait, wait, wait for it. And so, and it happened. And I was like, and I clapped and I rewound it five times. And I put it online too. It's the greatest cinematic moment in Disney's history. I'm sorry. And that includes me faster dying and therefore (laughs) to be immortalised for all time in that girl's cake. Like, oh. And then I started thinking about, can I do that? How can I make that? And then I'm like, I'm definitely dressing as Emma Stone's version of Cruella for your Halloween party. And I'm going to somehow figure out how to make my cape explode. Like, this is how. (laughs) (laughs) Look, that seems fraught with danger, but if that's the way you go down, it is fitting. Oh, imagine she died in an unfortunate costuming attack uh, incident. The cape was too flammable. She wasn't using natural fibres. It also brings you, like, I feel like Madonna has some cape disasters, but it's it's, to be burnt alive by a cape (laughs) flourish gone wrong. It's very on brand. And so often capes foil Divas, like poor the poor Elsa moment on the Broadway version of Frozen. Oh, We've talked about it before. Yeah. A cape can make or break a bitch. Let's be honest. Oh, but they always go back to the. I mean, they're so fabulous though. Oh, like a moth to the so flame. So dramatic. Hundred percent. Love a cape. I love a hood. Oh my god! If I could find a way to work that into my everyday life, just dramatically to walk in and set a part of myself on fire. How dare you call me dramatic? Anyone out there? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> look, I, I, my response would be that, the, yeah, the, the film, look, it might be about half an hour too long. And, yeah, there's some incredibly dubious VFX. But at the end of the day, all you need yeah. is Emma Thompson and ah. Emma Stone facing off, ah. saying those yes. lines, written, yes. by the way, by an Australian. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, mm, a former Australian writer. Yes. Mm. And it's just heaven if you're that way inclined. It's fabulous. I mean, the music when sympathy for the devil strikes up in the final scenes when we realise why her name is Cruella DeVille, devil, DeVille, Cruella, devil, DeVille, oh, my God, and sympathy for the devil strikes up, I was, like, peaking. Like, it's, it's, it's too much. The music is phenomenal. It must have cost well, them a billion dollars. I just can't even. It, it was like every two and a half minutes they played another super iconic song from the 70s. It just, it was, it was and breathtaking. I did. 
I did think of you at the moment scrapping for like non-licensed 80s sounding music that maybe was on a Nokia 2018. Like you're desperately trying to get money for music on your ABC show. Oh, getting knocked back all the time. Getting, yeah, like I was sitting there going, okay, we reckon we can get $6,000 for this song. And then the quote comes in. They they are willing to come down to (laughs) (laughs) $65,000. Imagine what the Stones charge Disney. Oh. Oh, my God. Anyway. All right. Well, my laptop's on 5% and my phone's gone dead, so it's probably time to end it. <laughs> uh, we'll chat again next yes, week. Yes, well, we I mean, will because we'll... just as we've been recording this, Melbourne's lockdown has been extended another seven days. Breaking oh, news. God. My poor children. Jesus. Okay. No, you'll be good. Great. You'll be good. You'll be no, good. We'll fine. get at least Great. four more modes of Sutton facial hair. So Yes. Oh, he shaved it off. No, but that's all right. But I like that he doesn't just give it all the time. I mean, I struggled when I saw him clear shave and I was a bit like, damn it, why'd you do that? But then I thought, no, 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 it's good. (laughs) We need to earn it. All right, fine. All right, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. This is Emsolation. Well, that's it. Hope you enjoyed our little offering. Hey, I just want to give a big shout out to the members of the Emsolation Facebook group. That community is stunning. They've already formed a book club. They're already planning on meetups, group listening sessions. It's just a collective of like-minded weirdos, which I knew would happen because let's be honest, Michael and I are going to attract a certain type of audience. And what I mean by that is fucking legends. Discerning, witty, nuanced. They get shit. They don't like, you just, you guys just get it. If you are a fan of this podcast, you are on our level. And not many people are, you know that. So the Facebook group is Emsolation. Uh, You'll be able to find it. All the links are on our Instagram account at Emsolation Podcast. And also join the mailing list. Our newsletter will go out every Thursday. Giggling Ben is in charge of that where we, we're going to shout out to the Facebook group. You put our recommendations. You get a little note from me. I'm just trying to find ways to bring our community together because, fuck, it's a lonely time at the moment. I'm so lonely and I live with four other people. But I just, I dip in and out of the Facebook group and chat to you all. And I just love what's going on. It's a big deal. Go and join it if you want to. Get on the mailing list. Really immerse yourself in this podcast. I am. I've gone all in. Flaps to the wall. I want you all to go flaps to the wall too. Even those of you with balls. I want your flaps in. Of course, it's going to end on me talking about flaps. All right. And also, if you do have a Rage and Rainbows viewing party this weekend, send me photos, tag me in them. Makes me happy. Makes me happy that the thing that I made is being enjoyed. And international pals it's available to you if you are in america or england or new zealand or canada or italy wherever you listen from you can watch it as well totally available worldwide i made sure of that i'm mr worldwide who's that pitbull the guy who wraps in a suit like he's going to a funeral after the gig <laughs> don't laugh at your own jokes em. love you guys talk soon bye emsolation with m rossiano is a spotify exclusive podcast Hosted by M. Rossiano with Michael Lucas. Executive produced by Benjamin Wosley. Produced by M. Rossiano. Edited by Mark Devilla. With videos by Liam O'Bree. Socials by Marcella Rossiano Barrow. With assistance from Jim Evans and Georgia Watts. And occasional technical trickery and wizardry from M's dad, Vinci. Get more from M. Salation with M. Rossiano by following M. Salation Podcast on Instagram. You can also join our secret club by joining our Facebook group at Emsolation and make sure you're following us on the Spotify app. 
We, of course, hope you enjoyed this week's episode and we'll chat with you again soon.